Now to, uh, we'll start with the catechism. We're on questions 88 through 90. I'll read the question and the answer, uh, and then we'll turn to God's word. Question 88. What are the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption? The outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. 89. How is the word made effectual to salvation? The Spirit of God maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. And question 90, how is the word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? That the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Receive it with faith and love. Lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. And now, the word of God. Um, we'll start with Psalm 19. There's a number of texts here. Uh, the primary text we're going to look at tonight there are two. One is, is not on here, and I should have updated you, Val. Sorry about that. Uh, but it's going to be 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll get there. That'll be our last one. Uh, that'll be the, the main text along with the First Thessalonians text. But for some context and for some Old Testament as well, we're going to start with Psalm 19, uh, which, uh, which declares to us that God's world declares who God is, and His Word declares to us who He is. Psalm 19 Hear God's word. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And over to Romans 10, 13 through 17. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And 1 Thessalonians 2, 9-13. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And one more to add here to our to our list, Second uh, Second uh, Timothy chapter three, starting at verse fifteen and going through chapter four, verse two. Excuse me. We'll start at Second Timothy three fourteen through four, verse two. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Ascends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray and ask his blessing on us by it. Lord, we once again ask that by your sovereign, powerful, Holy Spirit, you would take your word and you would give us life in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the Word of God. So speak and grant us faith by hearing your Word. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. One of my favorite quotes by John Calvin is this. It says, As long as Christ remains outside of us, and we are separated from Him, All that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. Therefore, to share with us what he has received from the Father, he had to become ours and to dwell within us. It's a wonderful quote because it captures so clearly that we get no benefit from all that Christ is and all that he's done unless we're brought into union with him by faith. 
unless the Spirit comes and gives us faith in Christ and unites us savingly to Jesus Christ and His person and work, He does us no good. It's, a, it's in light of this, then, that as the, as the Catechism turns to consider, we've been talking about faith, we've been talking about faith in Christ, it turns to consider this question, how do we get Christ? How do we, how do we have this union with Him? It says, by faith, by repentance. But the question then is, where do we look to have that faith in Christ? You think about it, loved ones, Christ is not here, is He? Physically. can't see Him, hear Him. How do we know who He is? Where do we go to that we might have faith in, in Christ and have that saving union with Him. Where do we find Jesus Christ so that we can be saved and receive Him and all His benefits for us? What's the means by which God gives us Christ? Um, there's no more pressing question. There's no more practical question to that in the Christian life, is there? We need to know, where do I find Christ Jesus? so that my faith can be built up and strengthened and that I can, that I can live in union and communion with Him. And that's, that's where the Catechism turns in questions 88 and, and through the rest of the Catechism, really. It's addressing this. The question is, what are the, what are the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us, gives to us, the benefits of redemption? Uh, says, what are, what, are, what are Christ's normal ways of working so that, so that we are, are, are given the blessings of salvation? And the catechism lays out, it's through the means of grace, through the word, the sacraments, and prayer. Just as, as an aside, before we really get in uh, to the matter tonight, um, it's astounding, I think, that Christ has given us the means of grace, and that in the means of grace, he communicates all the blessings of salvation to us, all the riches of His person and work communicated to us, given to us in the means of grace, that that in the Word, in the sacraments and prayer, there we find Christ Himself coming to us to meet with us and, and give His grace to us. Tonight we take up the first of these means of grace, which is the Word of God. Um, two questions to organize our thoughts. The first one is this. What does God's Word do with you? What does God's Word do with you or do to you? And we're going to start with 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 4, 2. Consider this question. What does God's Word do with you? Paul, as he's writing uh, this letter to Timothy, he's at the end of his life, towards the end of his ministry, writing to Timothy, this dear son in the faith, uh, Timothy is, is someone that Paul has poured so much into, and he's trained, and he's, and he's served with, and he's, and he's loved. Um, and, and, and Timothy has grown up. Uh, Timothy has come to own the gospel, and, and, and Paul is saying, continue in the gospel. Timothy, you learned it from your mother. You learned it from your grandmother. They poured God's word into you. Continue in it, Timothy. Uh, be, 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 be faithful in the word of God. And he tells him in verse 15 why he should continue in the word of God. He says, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul says that God's means of 
Giving and growing faith in Christ is through His Word. He says in verse 16 that God Himself speaks in His Word. That the the Bible is the breathed out Word of God. Some translations say that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, That's saying that God, God Himself has breathed out, spoken all these words. That every word of the Bible comes from God's own mouth, breathed out by Him. And that's what produces that's what produces saving faith in Christ. We read earlier Romans ten seventeen about how faith begins with the word of God. It says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You don't first believe and then hear God's word. God's word comes first, and then you believe. Uh, my my poor children. Every time we watch the Polar Express around Christmas, there's that scene at the end. I think I've used this illustration before, and I won't do it again for, I don't know, for a while. I'll try. But, but my, yeah, anyway, um, there's a scene at the end, and this little boy, Santa's there, his bells are ringing, but the boy can't hear it because he doesn't believe yet. And then he says, I believe. And then he hears. That's not how it works with the Word of God. The Word of God comes first, and then faith comes. The word of God rings in your ears, and then you say, I believe. That's the way it works. Faith begins with the word of God. Faith doesn't doesn't make God's word come alive. God's word makes faith come alive. This is how saving faith begins. Not only how it begins, but also how it grows, how it continues. The word of God. It's interesting, isn't it? What Paul says to Timothy here about God's word. He says, Timothy, God's word is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. Interesting way to put it. You might have thought, Paul would have said, Timothy, God's word has made you wise unto salvation. Timothy's a Christian. God's word has made him wise to salvation. And that's, of course, true. But, but Paul says particularly, God's word is able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ. In other words, Timothy, you've, you've got salvation begun. Right? You've received Christ and his benefits. God's word has given you faith. But continue in it because, because you're still pressing forward to the fullness of your salvation. To what lies ahead of you. It's a past thing, it's a present thing, it's a future thing, this salvation that we've received. It's not consummated yet, and you need to press on in it. And as long as your life lasts, you need faith. And your faith needs God's Word to sustain it, to fuel it. The implication is no Scripture, no salvation. At the beginning of the Christian life, Ongoing in the Christian life to its end. No scripture, no salvation. You need the word of God to begin your faith and to continue to fuel your faith all the way through. But it's not just the word of God read that we need. Uh, God's means of grace is the word read. But if you noticed, as we read the catechism earlier, it said it's the reading and especially the preaching of the word of God that Gives, gives this faith. Notice what Paul says to Timothy here in the, in the context. In the light of God's word, making you wise to salvation, he tells him in chapter 4, verse, verse 2, I charge you, preach the word. He doesn't say, I charge you, read the word. Or, I charge you, make sure your people in your church are reading their Bibles every day. 
They wouldn't have had their own copies, right? Gutenberg hadn't come along with his printing press yet. But but he doesn't say, make sure you're reading the Word, though that's good, and you should read the Word. Daily Bible reading is so important. But, uh, But Paul says, especially Timothy, because the Word of God is God's Word, preach it. That's what you need, and that's what, that's what God's people need, most of all. This is a point that we see other, other places in Scripture. We read earlier Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 14, I think, makes this clear for us. It says, How then will they call on Him, on Christ, in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Paul is saying there, faith comes through hearing. Hearing comes through the Word of God. The Word of God comes through preaching. The Word of God preached, especially. You can even understand the, the Greek of, of Romans ten fourteen to be saying not how are they to believe in whom, of whom they have not heard, but actually you could translate it as how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard. Do you see the difference there? Paul is not saying... How can you believe if you never hear about Jesus? He's saying, how can you believe if you never hear Jesus? Preaching is Christ speaking to his people. Paul writes over in Ephesians 2, 17, and he, that's, he's talking about Christ, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. He's saying, Christ preached to the Jews and Christ preached to the Gentiles. To you, Ephesians. When did Christ ever go to Ephesus and preach to the Gentiles there? When Paul went to Ephesus and preached to the Gentiles there, Christ spoke his word through the preaching of his word. The second Helvetic Confession, which is another great Reformed confession of faith, says this, the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. So this is what Paul is saying. This glorious word of God read and especially preached gives faith. What is it? What, let's unpack that a little bit. What, is, what does it do to you? What does this preached word of God do in your life? How does it make you wise to salvation? Well, first of all, it, it, gives, it gives faith. It, it, works, it works salvation in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit, that our hearts come alive to the Word of God. John fourteen twenty six. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 1 Corinthians two thirteen. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Or Ephesians six seventeen calls the Word of God the sword, of the Spirit. God's Word is wielded by the Spirit. They all, the, the Spirit, the Word, always go together. We cannot comprehend and understand and take to heart God's Word by our own capacities. We can't teach ourselves His Word. Only the Holy Spirit can come by His sovereign grace and teach us His, His Word. And what does He do as He works this Word in our hearts? Four things. Uh, and then one summary thing here from Second Timothy 3.16. As the word of God is read and preached, it teaches us, gives us doctrine. Um, sin has made us fools, loved ones. Scripture says, never be wise in your own eyes. Do not lean on your own understanding. Right? We need to lean only and fully on the word of God. We need to be taught 
by the word of God. We have no wisdom apart from the word of God. We need to be taught doctrine and have our minds renewed by the scriptures. Taught the truth about God, taught the truth about ourselves and how to how to live out a life that's pleasing to God by faith in the one he's given. That's what God's word is to do to us by the spirit. Is God's word by the spirit, his word read, his word preached, is it teaching you? Is your mind being renewed by it? That's the sign that the Spirit Himself is, is at work in you by it. Second, God's Word read and preached rebukes us as well. We're told there that uh, all Scripture is breathed out, profitable for teaching. Second, reproof. You can translate it as rebuke. Rebuke is when someone calls out what you're doing is wrong. You can think of it like an x-ray. It shows you where the break is. It says, yeah, there's, there's, the, there's the spot where spiritually you're wrong. There, there's the spot where your, 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 your life is out of joint. That, that's what God's Word does. It comes along, and the Holy Spirit, wielding that Word in our hearts, exposes the, the, the sins in us and re- rebukes us. It's a painful, a painful experience. But that's, that's what God's Word does. And then we're told His Word corrects us. Uh, the Greek word there is... Uh, epinorthosis. Sinclair Ferguson, writing in his little book devoted to God's church, talks about this word. He said, he points out that we use the same root in that word, uh, epinorthosis. Uh, you can hear the root of ortho in there, or, or orthos. And uh, we talk about orthodontists who straighten your teeth, or orthopedics who straighten your bones, uh, fix your bones when they're broken, reset them. So if, if God's word, first of all, x-rays your life, Here's the sin. Then it comes along and it starts to correct. It starts to reset what's broken. It starts to get into our lives and start to change us and work on us. And then, going on in verse 16, we're told that the Word of God also trains us. It trains us in righteousness. Ferguson says, we move now from the hospital to the gymnasium. That you've been x-rayed. You've been reset, and now you're going out to train again. Now, now you're back on your feet, and you're training again. God's Word comes along and equips us in the Christian life. Uh, God, God's Word equips us to, uh, to faithfulness in the Christian life. And then Paul sums all of this up in verse 17. He says, So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's the, full, that's the fullness of what God's Word does for us. It equips us. It perfects us. The Word of God read and preached, loved ones, is a wonderful promise that it will perfect you. It will complete you. And we, we, feel, we feel so strongly at times our, our, our shortcomings and our failures and uh, uh, just the, the headwinds that, uh, of the Christian life. Um, but there's a promise that God and His Word will bring you to the finish line. And He'll bring you across the finish line and build you up into perfection in the life that is to come. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, commenting on this, uh, that, it's, that God's Word is an effective means of building us up in holiness and, and comfort. All this, all this the Spirit does through the Word. He gives faith and He grows our faith. He gives us Christ and all His benefits teaches, rebukes, corrects, and trains us for himself. Loved ones, in light of all this, should we not treasure the Word of God? 
treasure it and, and use it. Treasure it and, and seek it out. Um, and not only the reading of the Word of God, not only our own personal study, but also treasure the preaching of the Word of God. If you look in the preface to some Bibles, I know it's in the ESV, it, it talks about um, how at the coronation of a new king or queen in England, the moderator of the Church of Scotland will come up with a Bible and give that Bible to the new king or the new queen. And we'll say, we'll say something like this. This book is the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. Or as the translators of the King James Bible wrote, God's sacred word is that inestimable treasure that excels all the riches of the earth. Or as Psalm 19, we read earlier, more precious than gold, more precious than much fine gold, sweeter than honey, even the drippings of the honeycomb. So that's what God's word does to us. Then the question is, what do you do with God's word? God's word does all this in you and with you and to you. What do you do with it? And for this question, I want to look now at 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It's a wonderful, remarkable statement there about how the Thessalonian church received God's word. The verse is this. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. What a letter to get from the Apostle Paul. Wouldn't it be wonderful as a church to receive a letter like that from a, a, a man of the stature of Paul to say, here's what I'm thankful for you, Christians, that when I preached among you and spoke God's word to you, shared the gospel with you, you listened as though God himself were speaking to you. You, you, you received it as the very word of God. If Paul were writing a letter to our church, would he say this of us? That, that we receive God's word as the very word of God. What does it look like to receive God's word as the very word of God? Well, it means that you have an insatiable appetite for the Bible. An insatiable appetite for the Bible and for Christ in the Bible. Um, Paul, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, speaks of the reception that he had among the Thessalonians. They welcomed him. They welcomed the word of God. They received it gladly. The Catechism says we are to receive God's word with diligence, preparation, and prayer. To have this appetite for it, that we're ready to, to, to lay hold of it. That we come uh, ready to listen, not half-hearted in, in the reading and the hearing of preaching but to listen with all intent to the Word of God, to, to be prayerfully preparing before we come to the Bible in our own quiet time. Prayer, prayerfully preparing especially for the preaching of the Word, that, Lord, may I be ready to hear Your Word as it's preached on the Lord's Day. It means also that you have a joy in receiving God's Word. You have an appetite for it, and then, and then when you receive it, you receive it with joy. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.6 that the Thessalonian church received God's word in much affliction, but with the joy of the Holy Spirit. We are to receive it that way, to, to embrace it and love it and welcome it and treasure it, even in the midst of suffering. Third, we are to receive it with repentance. 
Receive it with repentance. First Thessalonians 1.9, Paul says this, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You receive God's word as God's word when it gets into your heart and life and starts to change you. Our catechism says you should lay it up in your heart. That means that you take God's word not just into the surface of who you are, but it gets down into your heart and it starts to work on your heart and change your heart. That it, that it, that it sticks in your heart. You don't forget it. And, you, and, you, and then it starts to work out into your life. That, that you, you, you have this heart that's changed by his word, and then you have this life that begins to be changed by his word. As the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, they turn from idols to the living God, and they become this church of, uh, of remarkable obedience. So, loved ones, what are you doing with God's word? What are you doing with his word read and preached? What is his word doing in you? This is, in the, in the word of God, this is where God himself promises to meet us, to bless us with his grace, where he promises to give us Christ and all of his saving benefits and blessings, his mercy and his power. So are you attending to the word of God with diligence, preparation, and prayer, receiving it with faith and love, laying it up in your heart and practicing it in your life? Are you attending to his word? Are you attending to Christ? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for our Savior revealed to us there with such fullness and clarity. We pray you make us good students of your word. Help us, Lord, to receive it, to lay it up in our hearts, to take it uh, to, to take it to heart, to live out of it. We pray that you would make your word to work powerfully in us by your spirit, to shape us into the image of our Savior. We pray it in his name. Amen.